Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 is the, just the jewel of the, this place in Scripture. In the book of Romans, I would venture to say that this chapter might be the, the greatest chapter in all of Scripture. Because of just the, the magnitude of it, mentioned within chapter 8 is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. How they are working in unity with one another on our behalf. How they have set things up for you and me, those of us who have trusted in them by faith. And today, well, let's just think back at last week for just a second because it, it so fits together. We went from last week seeing in verse 12, I took a mint just before I came up here, which is, I never do. And this is why. It's, it's, it's stuck in my mouth and I, I'm too cheap to throw it away. <laughs> and, I, and I don't want to chew it, so I'm going to just enjoy. Anyways, if you, were, if you were look with me, if you remember, last week, I am kind of funny. I see some of you laughing. I, I get it. You, if you only knew what goes on in this pea brain of mine, you just would roar. Last week, we, we, we saw something that was absolutely critical, and it was important for us to understand. And what Paul is doing here, and we're watching it happen, and we're kind of learning as he is teaching us. He is bringing us into this whole, this place in our faith that we come to maturity. That's what he's hoping for. He has, he has moved away from the whole idea of us coming to him by faith. He is believing that, am I spitting on you? He is believing. <laughs> it could happen. Yeah, I'll back up. It, 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 he is coming to the place where he believes that we have already come to the knowledge of what it means to be a Christian by faith. And so he's not backed off of that because no man of God, no woman of God would ever back off the whole idea of a person coming to faith. But what he is doing now is he's settling in and asking us to grow, mature in our faith, so that we can, by the grace of God, impact other people. As we trust and believe and grow in our faith, we can move out to others. And so what he asked us to do last week, which was critical in your life and my life, last week was a very important message as this sweet lady uh, wrote me the sweetest note. And, and, you know, she said she'd been following us for years and years and years. And, and last week was that place where almost like finally God really spoke to her heart about something. Not, not that he hadn't before, but... In this case, it was really, really important enough that she wanted to write me a note. And last week, Paul said in verse 12, So then, brethren, talking to family of God, we are under obligation. That is so important. Um, what we tried to learn last week, what we tried to teach from Paul, is that we have an obligation. There's a choice that you and I have to make about, about growth, not... A, not about a lot of things, but about our growth. When you walk out of here, it's your decision to live your life today as you so desire. You can do any number of things that are from the most wonderful things for the Lord to not so nice. You, you have that choice to make. And, and today's message is all about the wonderful privilege we have 
as believers to live this obligation we have as believers. As Paul says in verses 12 and 13, we have an obligation not to live by the flesh, but he says to live by the Spirit. And so what what Paul now brings to our forefront, to our thought is the most precious of thoughts. And that is that you and I have been adopted. Now, that wasn't an important issue to me until nine years ago, maybe. My son married a, the most beautiful woman. Gosh, I don't know how he pulled that one off. I really don't. Uh, she is, she's incredible. And she had a little daughter, and my son adopted that daughter. And I can tell you, as seriously as I know how, I love that little girl as if, well, she is mine. I don't even can't say it that way. There's no thought in my mind that she's an adopted little girl. She's our baby Alex. She's our little girl. Well, she's now, whoa, she's really growing up pretty. And she is our, our girl, our granddaughter. And there's no... There's no shortage of love for her. And what Paul is going to teach you and me today is that we've been, God has gathered us in by God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit has gathered us into His family. And we have become, those of us who have trusted in Him by faith, we have become adopted children of His. Not only that, but we have become heirs. Heirs of God, and he says, joint heirs, fellow heirs with Jesus Christ. Now that's monumental, folks, because God has given everything to the Son. And we are joint heirs with that. I don't, un- I don't even understand what all that means. I just know it's a lot. It is one of the great privileges in all of Scripture to know that you and I are a part of the family of God. We are adopted into His family. So Paul began last week by saying we have an obligation to live by the Spirit, not the flesh. And now he brings us, Paul does, into God's promise of naming us adopted children of His. Even calling us fellow heirs. Read with me. We're going to read just verses 14, 15, 16, and half of verse 17. We'll take care of the the last half, because the last half talks about suffering, which is, we'll we'll get into that next week. But let's take a look at at verses finished. I just finished it. Uh, The mint I had in my mouth. Uh, Let's look at verses 14 through 17, the first half of it. Paul writes, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as children, by which you cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with your spirit that you are children of God. And if children heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Jesus Christ. 
Now, I don't know, folks, but let me just tell you, that's monumental. It, it, it can hardly get any better than that if, in fact, you are a follower, a believer in Jesus Christ. You have just been brought into the family. And in this picture is God the Father calling you an heir with Him, God the Son, fellow heir with Jesus Christ, and it all has been orchestrated or happening through God the Holy Spirit who bears witness with your spirit that you're a part of the family. It's a great place. Lord, please bless us. Lord, as we prepare our hearts for communion, that, that time where we remember all that you have given to us. And Father, I can hardly think of a, a, a more apropos uh, weekend in Scripture and celebrating the, the new building and, uh, and celebrating uh, motherhood, the ladies of our church, and the fact that we have become a part of your forever family. I can hardly think of a time that we don't, we can't just remember all that you've done for us and just give you thanks from the very bottom of our hearts for the, the kindness that you have bestowed upon each and every one of us as children of yours. Father, would you please move me aside so that I do not interfere with what, what you want to tell us, how you want to relay this to each of us individually. May you do that, Father, and may I not interfere by the words that I might say so that you would do that. Would you please open up our eyes so that we might behold wonderful things from your law and move me aside, Father, so I don't interfere. I pray this in the very precious and wonderful name of, of your Son, our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. This is one of the most richest and most beautiful passages in all of Scripture. You, you can hardly read anything more, more dramatic than this as far as a believer in Christ. Paul uses the idea of adoption to explain our riches in glory. In fact, Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, he says, My God will supply all your needs according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. You and I have just been united with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit as a part of of the family we have been adopted in. In verses 14 forward, as we go on from, from, from verse 14 in chapter 8, Paul continues to disclose to you and me the ways in which God confirms within your heart that you are eternally related to Him as adopted children, fellow heirs with Jesus Christ. All along, he will describe the, the inherited riches that, that you have and I have been blessed with in this position as human beings who by faith have trusted in Jesus Christ. Listen to what Paul writes again in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. He says, God willed to make known what is the riches of His glory, that is the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Jesus Christ in you the hope of glory. 
he testifies that you and I, as believers in Jesus Christ, are related, intertwined, if you would, with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. As verse 12 told us last week, all of this takes place through our obligation. It is our obligation to walk in the Spirit, to live in obedience to Jesus Christ. Now that's your choice. Nobody can make you. But here's the good part. Nobody can stop you. You can live in obedience to Jesus Christ. That is a choice that you can make. Now the first inner confirmation, the first assurance of who you are in Christ is that you are adopted into the family. And verse 14 is the key. Let's read it together. Look, verse 14. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Being led by the Spirit of God. In other words, children of God. A person who is truly experiencing the leading hand of God within their own life can be certain that they are a child of God. Now it's very important, verse 14, to understand the tense that Paul is writing this. Now, this I get, I got, out of John MacArthur's commentary. Um, he's brilliant to me. I, I love the man. And uh, he is far advanced as far as understanding and, and intellectually than me. And so I learned from him this. The words are being led in the Greek tense is A-G-O. It is in the present passive indicative tense. That means it has already taken place. The moment you've come to Christ, the leading of the Holy Spirit has happened or begins to happen within your life. The moment you trust in Him by faith. That, was, that happened to my, me in my life on, uh, on March the, the 12th, 1973. I asked Christ to be my Lord and Savior and the Holy Spirit of God came into my heart and started to lead me towards my walk with Jesus Christ. Nonetheless, that phrase, our being led, is not an interrupted leading. By that I mean, or the Bible means, that there are many New Testament cautions and warnings to Christians to live an obedient life without... There would not be necessary for there to be warnings if you and I didn't fall away from time to time. Greatest example is what we read back in chapter 7, verse 24. We just read it. Paul himself said, Wretched, wretched man that I am. Is everything okay, Mick? In, 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 in Romans 7, verse 24, Paul said, Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of death? Paul himself went through the highs and the lows of his faith. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul writes, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So it wouldn't be necessary for believers to have to live like that if we didn't have this inner struggle between our old nature and our new nature. But the genuine believer's lifestyle 
pattern of life should be characterized by our obligation. Verse 12 and verse 14, our being led by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. If any one of us have doubts about our salvation, the question that you ought to ask yourself when you are alone is, do I ever sense that God is leading me? And I'm certain you'll say yes. I'm certain you will. If the answer is yes, then be reminded of verse 14. Be assured of verse 14. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. You are a child of God. That will not say that, that you will always feel secure in your faith. Listen, there is different temperaments in this room. I would, I would venture a guess that there's far, hardly any of you that, that see things less full than me. I have a tendency to be that half-empty, no, not even half-empty guy. I'm that guy that knows something bad's going to happen. Just knows it's going to happen. Just a matter of when. Now, I live with Pollyanna that thinks nothing ever bad is going to happen. That's tough. That's a hard live. It's hard for her because I'm this, I'm the, I guess I don't ever read that much about it, but Charlie Brown had that guy with always the cloud over his head. I'm that guy. I'm that guy. And, and, and so to, to always have a sense that something is, is going to happen in wrong, I want you to know that that the Christian who neglects studying Scripture will get a sense of that feeling. The Christian who neglects the discipline of prayer in their life will have that feeling from time to time. You know, we've, we've really cranked up by the grace of God and by the, by the hand of Doug and Kathy Renault and Mickey and Sherry McDermott and, 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 and um, um, my mom... Uh, Alvin and different people. We're, we're really starting to gather together people who will pray on a regular basis. There is nothing more powerful for a church than the discipline of prayer. But the discipline of prayer doesn't have to happen here and when you fall on your knees. You can do it anytime you, you, you want to. Yesterday, I had this strong feeling about this message. I had a, just this, this core of of all that God has done for me. And I, uh, my mind had taken back to when I was playing ball. And uh, I forget what year it was. I think it was 1960. Oh, heck. Years have gone really, now it's hard to remember. But it would, let's say two or three, 62 or three. I, I was going to be the Dodgers, supposedly the Dodgers starting third baseman in, in 1964. So the Dodgers sent me to winter ball in Venezuela, Cabimas, Venezuela. And uh, I wasn't a believer back then, and I was a young, foolish, young, foolish man at that time. I'm an old, foolish man now, but I was really foolish then, and I was not saved. Not a good combination. On my own for the first time and playing baseball in, in Venezuela. And we used to go to a certain a bunch of us guys on the team used to go to these certain places that I won't tell you a lot about, but I'll tell you this. It was, it was in the best of places. And it, I, I, was kind of a, I was kind of living a bad life. And I didn't drink. I didn't do drugs. But, but I did. I, I wasn't. Anyways, uh, I, I don't know how to get out of this. I'm in it now. 
But let me tell you, there's a purpose to what I want to say. Uh, one day I didn't go with the guys. One night I didn't go with the guys to this place that we frequented. And a gunfight started. And it wasn't like a little. It was like, in, like a gunfight in a saloon. It was, it was a saloon. And it was a gunfight. And it was, it was terrible. And I, I asked the guys when they came home. They were, they were scared to death. And, and I said, what, what happened? And they, they jumped underneath the tables and they, they just hovered under the tables for, oh, I don't want to exaggerate, uh, I would say probably 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And just, they just were there, just with, when pow, 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 just gunfight going, and they could just sense that, that they could get killed any second. And, and that was, that, that could have happened to me at any moment in time in, in my life that I lived is a younger man before I knew the Lord. And as I was praying for you and I was praying for this message and I was praying for some of the people in our church that I'm inclined to do, um, I was just taking a shower. I was just doing what I normally do before I go to church on Saturday night. I took a nap. I usually do that. And then I take a shower so that I can be, you know, do the service. But actually, so I'd be stronger today. I take a nap yesterday so I could do that. And and while I was taking a shower, I just started to thank the Lord. Just started to pray. And I bet I prayed for, I don't know, a long time. I lost track. And I was just thanking the Lord of, of how good He is. And the discipline of prayers is a wonderful thing. I was telling Him how much I loved Him. And I was thanking Him that, that He watched over me all of those years when I was just foolhardy and 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 didn't know him, and could care less about him, and yet he, he, he loved me and cared for me. I bet you can relate to this, Maurice, with all of your heart, more than me, because you were definitely in the middle of stuff like that, the gunfight and all that in, in uh, Afghanistan and all of that. Have you share with us someday about that. But the discipline of prayer is a, is a wonderful thing. It makes you feel closer to the Lord. I, I was through that shower and I felt cleansed. Not, not because I washed, but because I've, I just had this wonderful time with God. You can feel more secure when you have a study of the Word of God, when you discipline yourself to pray, when you have fellowship with God's people. You know, this is really important, our meeting together like this. This is not so much... It has so many facets to it. Just the idea of praying for one another and encouraging one another and loving one another. You feel secure when you're obedient to the Word of God, to the things that you read, you become obedient to. When you're obedient to His church, to, to try to make this church, now when we move into that church on Chaparral, I think is the name of the street. Is that the right name of Mickey? It's 101 North Chaparral or something kind of a neat address. We move right into there. That, that needs to be our home. We need to sense a, 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 a feeling of home there. You see, to feel secure, you need to walk with Christ. You need to be obligated to those things. To invariably have doubts about your salvation is normally because you've become indifferent to your faith. The greatest example is the church in, in the book of Revelation, the church of Laodicea. Third chapter, 
Jesus Christ spoke to the church at Laodicea, and he says, I know of your deeds. I know what you've done. But he says, he says, you're neither hot nor you're cold, but you have become what? Lukewarm. And he says, therefore, I will spew you out of my mouth. You see, what had happened to that church in Laodicea is they became apathetic. They became indifferent to the things of God. They became lukewarm. It's, it's why I would encourage you to, to come to church on time, to be anticipant, uh, to be a participant and do anticipate the time to worship God together collectively. It's a, it's a wonderful feeling. It's a great, great discipline in our lives. And it grows, it becomes easy to grow lackadaisical and apathetic to the things of God and beware of that. If possible, I would encourage each of you to hold your feet to the fire if you're capable of doing it on your own. Most of us are not. For whatever reason I am, I, I, my wife paid me, I told you this a while ago, one of the nicest compliments she's ever gave me. She came in where I was studying uh, the Bible in, in the morning and she just opened the, the office door and she said, you know, you are really faithful. Nobody makes you study. You just, you're faithful. Every, you do it consistently. And it was one of the nicest things she said to me. And it was true. You don't have to remind me to study the Bible. I, I'll do that on my own. Now, if you don't have that discipline, then I would encourage you to find a good Christian friend who will hold you accountable. There's Al over here. He'd be more than welcome to help you. Get to know him. John, Dave, Mickey, Dot, Scott. Find someone that you will, you will meet with and that, that you, and you will hold each other accountable to how are you walking with the Lord where there's no holes barred. I have a few men here at this church that do that with me and I, I cherish them. I, and I long for them to ask me the tough questions. How am I walking with the Lord? I told you about this one friend I have who now lives in Texas, who when he calls me, he used to, he doesn't do it lately, he used to ask me, has, has anyone stolen your joy? Have you allowed anyone to do that? Listen, invariably doubts will creep into your life if you neglect the study of the Bible, prayer, fellowship with godly people, obedience to the Word of God, participation in the church of God. Yet, even for those who are obedient, doubts about our relationship with the Lord will always creep in because Satan is called the great accuser. He loves to accuse God's people. He is already, always, I should say, ready to take advantage of our frail human nature and plant seeds of uncertainty within our lives. Caution yourself from that. Listen to what James tells you and me. In James chapter 4, verse 8, James says, Draw near to God, and He, God, will draw near to you. Now that's an interesting verse. You know, you would think that God's always there, right? God's always by you. You don't have to worry about it. No, but James says, draw near to God. That, that sounds like you and I have a, an obligation, a responsibility, a choice 
to draw near to God. And in, in so doing, He will draw near to us. Great proverb. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge God, and He will make your path straight. That's what you want. Well, it is here in, in Romans chapter 8 and verse 15 where Paul assures you and me that you and I have been given access to God Almighty because we have been forever adopted into His eternal family. Listen to the strong words of verse 15. Paul says, For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. But, he says, you have received. Right now you have it. You've received a spirit of adoption as sons by which you can cry out, Abba, Father, which translates to mean Daddy or Papa. Now, I wouldn't recommend that I would hear or we in public place call, call God the Father, Daddy, or Papa. Uh, although we can. But I'll tell you what, when I pray like in, in, in the shower, uh, I, I say, you know, Dad, I, I, I just, I get really real with him. I said, Papa, I just, I'm always negative. What's wrong with me? Can you bring me out of that? I just pray with him as real as I possibly can pray with him. You know, it's interesting. When, when Jesus Christ was on the, the garden, when he in the Garden of Gethsemane before he went to the cross to die for the sins of this world, listen to what he called God the Father. He called him Abba, Daddy. He said, Abba, Father. And here's what he said. Listen to what Jesus said when he was about to go to the cross. He says, all things are possible for you. He says, remove this cup from me. In other words, don't let me go to the cross. All things are, pop, are, are, are possible for you, Daddy. Don't let me go to the cross. But then he said what I've learned to say almost every time I pray. But not my will, but yours be done. You know why that's critical for you and me to say that? Because you don't know what is best. When I pray for my grandkids, when I pray for for Taylor and for Hunter and for Dylan and for Alex. When I pray for my grandkids, I, I specifically know what I want for them. I know, but I don't know what's best for them. I know what I think's best for them, but I don't know what's best for them. You know who does? Of course you do. My Father who is in heaven knows what's best for them. And so whenever I pray for them, I end up always saying, but Lord, not my will but yours be done. You move in their lives as you know what's best for them because I know that you love them more than I do and I trust them in your hands. And, and that's the way I pray to the Lord. And Jesus Christ himself said, all things are possible for you, Father. Let this cup pass away from me, but not my will. Yours be done. If you'll note in verse 15, slavery to sin brings about slavery to fear. You see, one of the gracious works of God the Holy Spirit is to deliver you, a child of God, from both sin and fear. Listen to what is said. Paul assures us in 2 Timothy 1.7 that our Father has not given you and me a spirit of timidity or fear, but He has given us 
a spirit of power and love and discipline. John reassures us of that as well in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. He says, There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. See, what Paul is doing here is very interesting to me. Paul is not emphasizing the transaction of our adoption here. He is trying to assure you and me of our faith so that we can boldly walk without fear, loving the Lord with all of our heart, our soul, and our strength as we move out into the society in which we live. You see, it's the regenerating work of God the Holy Spirit, His reassuring you and me that we are children of God. We, have, we are being led by Him. And so we're not only truly and permanently adopted children of God, He's our daddy, papa, but we are given a spirit of adoption. Look at verse 16. It's, it's an amazing verse. The Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, Himself testifies with your spirit that you're a child of God. The Holy Spirit that indwells within you recognizes through the Spirit that's that's in you that you're a child of God. And so He removes all fear of death and sin. No more. No more. No more. There's no higher title that you and I have than being adopted children of God. It's as high as it gets. That name designates your condition to share fully in the inheritance with Jesus Christ. Verse 17. We're children. We're heirs of God. And we're fellow heirs with Jesus Christ. That's an awesome blessing. Therefore, it is far, 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 far from coincidental that Paul introduces and closes this great chapter, as I did last week, I'm going to do again this week, the full assurance that you and I are no longer and can never, ever be under God's condemnation. Never again. Now, gentlemen, would you kind of get the the elements ready and we'll have communion in a moment? I want to read to you the start and the ending of this chapter. Listen to them and think about it as we go to communion. Paul writes in verse 1 of chapter 8, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. And then Paul confidently says that he is convinced. In verse 38 of chapter 8, he says, I am convinced. And then he names all of these things so as not to miss anything. He says that neither death nor life, angels nor principalities, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing is going to be able to separate you from the love of God, which is in Jesus Christ our Lord. The only true Son of God is Jesus Christ. All the other children of God are 
that's the rest of us, are not natural children. We have been adopted into the family of God. And yet, in that adoption, we have been given full acceptance as fellow heirs with God's Son, Jesus Christ, in whom God says He has given all authority to Him. Everything under heaven and earth has been given to the Son. We're joint heirs with Him. We're fellow heirs. Father, what a, an amazing concept you, you, you've given us. I mean, I don't, know, I don't know who would have ever thought of something of this nature that you would allow the Son of God to die for the sin of this world. And then you just use the, the process of faith that we come to you by faith and you give everlasting life to those of us who trust in you by faith. What amazing concept, Father. We can't buy it. We can't live up to it. We can just trust in you. It's an amazing concept. And then you tell us when we do that, you then give us eternally the Holy Spirit that lives within us and dwells within us. And then you say to us that we are adopted into your, fa your family. And we become heirs with you, fellow heirs with your son. Lord, we, it's hard to, to even imagine how I can, we could say thank you enough. We say, Daddy, Papa, our Heavenly Father, thank you. In the precious name of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.